0: I'm Baron Beesos, and this is your beekeeping podcast. Yeah, baby. Buzzing. Now then, let's get on with it. So, it's a great privilege and a pleasure for me to introduce you to my first guest. He's 20 years plus in beekeeping, He's a swan specialist... Is a massive promoter of bee conservation and he's an educator in all aspects and areas in beekeeping. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Towes. Hi there. How are we doing, Alan? Are we okay? I'm uh, fine, thank you. Excellent. So, Alan, you're my first guest on the podcast and there's loads of reasons why I wanted you to be first. But one of the reasons is you was my teacher on the beekeeping course last year, what I took in January. Absolutely format of the course is brilliant. It's got everything on there. A new beekeeper needs to know about beekeeping which has been put together by yourself and a few others at Stockport Beekeepers. But I'd like to take you back 18 months where I did originally contact you regarding beekeeping and you was nice enough to invite me to your apiary. So will go on to your apiary and I'll get a chance to handle the frames. Uh, I think on that day you explained about an artificial swarm and why we do it and what goes on within the colony. Can you just explain why you're so receiving to newcomers? Yeah, no problem at all.
1: Uh, a lot of people are scared of insects and bees in particular because they've heard about killer bees and things like that. But what we try to do at the apiary is give an experience to, like a taste today. Uh, for new beekeepers, we put all the kit on, they put the bee suit on, you look like a spaceman, you put your boots on, you put your gloves on, and uh, we open up the bees, and there's usually about 50,000 bees in there in the summer, Uh, and that's quite frightening for some people, but under a uh, controlled situation, a lot of people can handle that.
0: So I reckon Alan, you've took people down to your apiary, and they've soon found out beekeeping's not for them. But for me, Alan, that day was a positive experience and as soon as she cracked open one of the marks I'll tell you what done it for me, the intensity of the noise and the volume of bees its absolutely spectacular. And I think it's fair to say off the back of that ends up booking the course in January, which is cheapest chips. So for anyone who's considering booking the beekeeping course with yourself,
1: what can they expect? So we take you through from uh, A to Z as a beginner what uh, equipment you'll need that's personal equipment you need a suit, you need protective gloves, you need boots, you need a hive tool that's for opening and uh, manipulating the hive, you're going to need a smoker that's uh, to create a little puff of smoke so that that calms the bees down when you use that. That's your insurance policy if the bees are getting a bit too frisky then you can just give them a little puff of smoke and uh, they calm down what they think the idea is they think that it's a forest fire and uh, they think they're going to go on a journey so they start and eat some honey and uh, once they the honey that uh, fills the stomachs up and they can't bend so easily it's like you having a christmas dinner you don't want to go around uh, doing a lot of exercise after you've had your Christmas dinner. And so the bees are exactly the same and uh, it calms them down, gets them full of honey and they're less likely to bend and so they can't sting you.
0: Yes, it's really interesting to observe. So we've seen you in action, mate, and your passion for beekeeping is second to none. And this shines through when you take students off the course down to the apiary. When you see everyone's so focused and engaged, does it take you back to
1: a time when you first started beekeeping? So where did it all start for you? I'd always wanted to keep bees, but never really had the opportunity or the time available. And then uh, I was talking to my wife, and she had a friend whose uh, father kept bees, and we talked to her. And my wife and this uh, lady in Stockport, uh, Jim Tucker's daughter, Uh, she uh, went along to do the course and I said well you do the course and then I'll pick it up from what you know Uh, but inquisition got uh, I was more inquisitive and uh, eventually uh, wormed my way onto the course as a uh, an assistant to my wife if you like and uh, we just went from there at the end of the course uh, we contacted Roy Who was the uh, apiary manager at the time, and still is. Two thousand and one that was. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, we bought some bees off him, and suddenly we've got thirty thousand bees in the back garden. Okay, you've got twenty-five colonies. Well that that didn't happen overnight. Right, we've gone from one colony to
0: twenty-five, and in between that, there's a massive learning curve. Were there a particular time where you struggled due to unforeseen circumstances or just
1: down to the sheer volume within the colonies? Okay, so uh, the first year, 2001, wasn't a particularly good year for beekeeping in terms of the weather wasn't great. uh, and uh, A lot of people didn't get any honey that year or very little so when we kept the bees for the first year and in september when you can collect the honey we got 15 pounds of honey now that's quite poor for a hive but it was a new hive mm-hmm. and at that point uh, if you get any honey at all in your first year you're doing well yeah so we were absolutely delighted uh, to get the 15 pounds of honey considering that you've probably spent hundred quid on the suit uh, ten quid on gloves a fiver on uh, your hive tool you bought a hive well we bought a second hand one to start with so that wasn't so expensive and the bees uh, they were about 75 quid at that time and yeah. the second hand hive was about 50 quid so altogether probably we spent 250 quid if you divide that by 15, it's probably the most expensive jar of honey that you've ever tasted. Um, uh, but it's fantastic when you actually are producing your own stuff. It's like growing your own veg or keeping chickens. You get the same feeling from it as you do then. And is it just confidence that helps with the natural progression to increase your colonies? Well, in the second year... uh It's normal practice for bees to increase, and uh, the queen lays an egg which is fed extra high quality food, Uh, and that turns that egg into a queen. Okay, you know what this stuff is called, you've heard about it. It's called royal jelly.
0: Excellent, yeah,
1: and uh, it's a high protein bee food. It's not basically for rubbing on your face to make you look more beautiful, you know, as uh, a lot of people would have you believe. But it's a high-protein uh, bee food. Once that egg is laid, it takes 16 days for that egg to turn into a new queen. That queen then has got to go out and get mated. She, she mates with about 25 drone bees, that's the male bees, not from bees in her colony, because they, uh, they would be her brothers. So they meet, don't ask me where they meet, you know, around the back of the bite sheds, I don't know where they meet. But bees in the area mate with her, about 25. The queen bee is the most polyamorous bee, or the most polyamorous animal on the planet. Mm-hmm. She only mates once, in one session, but she makes 25 times and she keeps the sperm alive inside her yeah. for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. So if she's laying an egg and she can lay 1,000 to 1,500 eggs a day yeah. in uh, the summer, there's only 1,440 seconds in a day. So that's, almost, that's <laughs> almost one a second if yeah. you think about it. Uh, she lays uh, say a thousand eggs in a day in the summer and if she wants a female bee she fertilizes it with the sperm that she got originally if she wants a male bee that's unfertilized then I guess at this point you've noticed
0: the increase in bees what did you do split the colonies well
1: we ended up having uh, queen cells and at that point if you don't split your colony you get a swarm and they all fly off down the road or half of them fly off down the road and you've lost a lot of honey you've lost a lot of bees so at that point you do a, a split of your hive it's called an artificial swarm uh it's not a difficult thing to do but you you've got to get to grips with it the technicalities of where to put the queen where to yeah
0: sorry to interrupt you but knowing an artificial swarm needs a bit of understanding. Do you think new beekeepers tie themselves in knots over routine
1: inspections? You need to inspect the, people often ask me how much time does it take each week to look after the bees? I know people have got busy lives, but probably you would say on average an hour a week per colony. To be fair, Alan,
0: I've seen you go through your colonies and you're very quick at lifting the frames and
1: locating the queen. That's again, that is just experience. You can't, uh, you can't. Sometimes you can look and look and look, and you just can't find the queen. We do put a little marker on, uh, on the queen, uh, a little dob of uh, it, it's it's a wax and water solution. It's quite safe for the for the queen, and we put a little mark on the back and uh, the. Uh, uh, the demonic for remembering it is will you raise good bees will uh, is white will you yellow raise red g uh, green and b blue so the queen doesn't live for more than five years uh, the oldest queen that I've ever had is four years so you only need five colours uh, to cover the queen and then you just rotate so this year the color is uh, blue No, it's, it's white <laughs> sorry is that's right 2020 it's white uh, if it ends in a zero it's white then it goes around and yeah. it'll be 2026 20, when it comes to white again so uh, we have a set of pens and I bought a set of pens in the first year you put so little on the queen that I'm still using the set of pens. <laughs> it's the same set. You only use them once every five years, so they do. They probably last your lifetime. Right, Alan, my queen's marked up in the correct color. My colony's ready. Give us some top tips. Okay, well, there's various. You've obviously got to site your beehive in a in a good spot. Um, it's probably. The first one I, uh, the first one I had got, I started in the back garden, and uh, Roy Brocklehurst said, "Face the bees towards the fence." And you think, "Well, that's that's peculiar because I want to see the bees coming out uh, of the hive." No, it said, "Face the bees towards the fence, about a couple of uh, feet away, and the bees come out, and they go towards the fence, and they fly straight up into the air, and that way." you won't uh, be bothered by the bees in the garden. I mean, my garden is not massive. It's, uh, what, 25 yards long by uh, 15 yards wide, so it's not a huge, great garden. Uh, In year two, we got two hives, and by year four, I think we had about six hives in there, so at the height of the season, that will be 300,000 bees in the the back garden. what do the neighbours think? Well, the neighbours were okay because all they said when, when we told them we were going to have bees, they just said, "When do we get the honey?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, at the in September, it's the only time you get the honey, and we just gave them a few jars of honey, and yeah. that was it. They were hooked. It was uh, it was a little bit like a, a drug dealer giving a, a free sample to the first person, and yeah. then suddenly they are <laughs> hooked and they're banging on the door saying, "We need more honey." <laughs> At that point, we're selling them, honey. Yeah. And uh, that's starting to pay for your hobby, you know.
0: Whilst we're talking about honey, we've chatted in depth, and my passion for beekeeping is bee conservation and bee preservation. So for me, the honey is a decent byproduct of a healthy hive. Look after your hive, you'll get a decent amount of honey. So that's my take on it. I think it's fair to say and people need to realize that once you've weighed up your initial cost for your equipment and your bees
1: you're not going to be a millionaire overnight are you you're probably looking in the in the first year to set up as I mentioned before with all the kit and the and the, the bees and the beehive and what have you you're probably looking at three to four hundred pounds you're not yeah. gonna make a, a vast amount of honey uh, but the kit that you buy yeah. is probably going to last you 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Some of those original hives that mm-hmm. I bought back in year one, i still got. They, are they, are they they're ceded? Western Red Cedar. Yeah, and it's, it's a wood that is naturally resinous. It comes from the west coast uh, of uh, Canada and America. Mm-hmm. And it just lasts and lasts.
0: So I want to get my new hive. Should I be treating it or giving it a lick of paint? You don't
1: really need to paint them on the outside. I mean, a lot of people have got uh, in the mind that bee hives are white. But uh, you can paint them. But you don't paint on the inside. You just leave the natural wood on the inside. And I've started using tongue oil. T-U-N-G oil. It's an oil from a seed uh, in China. So where would people pick that up from, Alan? Well, I they, bought mine off the internet, off as the you internet, do. Yeah. Uh, but readily available, yeah. Readily yeah. available, uh, about ten pounds a litre. Uh, but seen uh, that was two years ago off the internet but one of the local DIY uh, shops in Cheadle has got it in stock now yeah. and people are using it as a it's a food grade uh, oil and uh, it's a little bit like linseed oil it doesn't smell as much as linseed oil but it's that kind, it's a yellowish colour mm-hmm. and you put it on Easy very to apply Easy to apply, you put it on with a, with a a bit like you do French polishing with a rag mm-hmm. And a, a bowl of cotton wool and you just rub it on you don't need very much and it, ri- and it when the water hits the wood uh, it just forms little beads doesn't penetrate the wood and uh, the bees are happier there they don't want to be cold and wet.
0: So Alan I just want to move on slightly
1: because you're the swarm collector for South Manchester. That's right the British Beekeepers Association
0: the bbka
1: which is B-B-K-A. Found. bbka yeah it's on their website just type in bbka.co.uk uh, and you'll get the information there but if you t- if you've got a swarm of bees and uh, you go to stockport pest control or manchester pest control and you say can you uh, help me with the swarm of bees they say no We only deal with pests, which are the wasps, the rats, the mice, and so on, the cockroaches. But bees, they direct you to the BBKA website, and that brings up a little... If you type in your postcode, it brings up a little map with the nearest uh, registered swarm collector. And uh, that's me for Stockport, uh, Hyde... uh, Cheadle, Cheadle Hugh, Bramall, Hazel Grove, uh, mm-hmm. I do a little bit of Wilmslow, Alderley uh, Edge, that kind of area, but that's sort of overlapping into the guy in Macclesfield's area. So
0: it's go cool. it's quite a decent patch, isn't it? It's a really? patch,
1: yeah. I, had, I collected 42 swarms last year. Oh, so. The first one was on the 22nd of April. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one was mid-September. The swarming season for bees is normally May-June. And this is when uh, you get the queen cells that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. And the colony has enlarged. It's got too big for the space that it's in. And it splits. So,
0: when you've got your swarm, you've got them in your nuke, can you just from straight into your um, your own colony, make your own colony? Or they have to be treated or
1: uh normally bees are healthy when they swarm mm-hmm. they may they may have some mites on them varroa mite. Uh, varroa mite this is the the worst nightmare of beekeepers the thing that all beekeepers dread but bees have got it now it's uh, a little bit like bits at school you know <laughs> they jump from head to head they jump from bees to bees so when you get a swarm you may have a few mites and so you could treat them at that point with the uh, prescribed chemical and uh, that will get rid of the mites in the short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I normally collect swarms in a skep, yeah. which is the old-fashioned straw yes. basket. One of the reasons is if you're picking the bees up from a a tree or a bush or whatever, you can sort of bend it into shape to, mm-hmm. to fit the... Uh, to fit the basket. Uh, People often are surprised when uh, they run for the beekeeper to come and they're expecting like a Ghostbusters machine (laughs) to suck up all these bees and put them in a box and and take them away. And uh, it's a man turning up with a basket and a piece of cloth. (laughs) And uh, what we do is put the basket underneath the branch where the bees normally are, shake them, they go in the basket if the queen goes in the basket then all the bees will follow because they can smell her she'll send out a scent yeah it's called the queen pheromone Uh and uh, this is a smell um, and the bees can't be without they want to know that Queenie is happy because she's the only one who can have baby bees she's the egg layer and if she's uh, not functioning correctly or uh, she's getting too old or she's running out of uh, eggs or sperm then they're looking to produce a new queen but when they swarm she takes half the bees with her uh, flies off finds a new location and usually that takes up to a week to find a new location but in that time the bees have come into your garden and uh, or even on railings or uh, walls or all sorts of places where you on you, cars even at garages yeah. I've been to collect them and uh, it's just an odd place that they yeah. have a staging post until they find a new a new home so at that point uh, you put them in the basket wait for all the bees to go in and then people say what how are you gonna get them home yeah. Well, I'm going to put them in the back of the car <laughs> and drive along with them. Sometimes they do get out. Yeah. I still wear the suit when I'm driving, yeah. but I don't have any problem parking because I've got a notice that says live bees <coughs> in transit in the car.
0: Not only will you go out and collect the swarm when you get the phone call, you will unselfishly give your time out to anyone who's got a colony and is struggling.
1: Yeah, uh one of the uh, beginners, uh, she got the bees in her garden and she said, uh, the bees are very aggressive, Alan. And uh, as soon as I lift the lid off, they started to sting me and I thought, Oh well, it's just a beginner. She she's probably uh, not doing something correctly. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, I'll come along and have a look at them for you and I thought you know, this is i had been beekeeping five or six years then, yeah. and I thought, well, you can't phase me with bees coming. You know, if I if I get the lid off, we can smoke them and uh, we'll we'll do something with them. Well, we went to the garden. We we're all suited up. We take the lid off the bees, and immediately you got that roaring noise. Yeah, that saying, "I am coming to get you." Yeah, and they are stinging us uh, through the suit. Uh, that you're wearing and we'd run away back to the car which was parked about 200 yards away from where the the bees were and uh, I'm not a fast runner but you can't (laughs) outrun bees if they're coming for you Yeah. and we got in the car and we're batting bees off the suit and the bees are still pinging off the side of the car coming to get us, Yeah. what causes this? Well it's probably something that's not right within the colony. Probably the queen's not right for some or no reason. She's not giving out this pheromone, this smell that we uh, talked about before, and the bees are not happy. And at that point, they just become very, very aggressive.
0: Okay, Alan. So there's two school of thoughts to combat this issue: either cull them or requeen the colony. Which did you do?
1: What? What we did was, uh, she bought another queen, and that queen comes along with three or four uh, uh, bees, so worker bees, uh, attendants, and that comes through the post. Yeah, and uh, the postman, uh, uh, when we've when we've bought queens, he comes along with a packet and sort of knocks <laughs> on the door very quickly and hands it over. it says live bees in transit, you know. But uh, what we did was. Uh, We moved the colony away from its normal place and put an old uh, beehive with some old comb back in the original place. Uh, The queen stays stays where she is in the new place, but the bees that are the stingers, the old bees, they fly back to the old spot. And so at that point you can kill those Mm -hmm. it's not a nice thing to do Mm -hmm. Uh, you put a little bit of carpet over the hole in the top of the hive uh, the crown board it's called and you pour about half a cup of petrol in yeah and within 10 or 15 minutes that's killed them all yeah the thing is you've also destroyed all your woodwork yeah uh, as well so the best thing to do is just set fire to the whole lot in your colony that you've moved away are all the young bees and young bees don't develop a sting until they're about a week to 15 days old and you've got the queen so at that point you find the queen uh you squish her or if you don't like squishing her then you could put her in a little tub in the freezer and and, and that will kill her Mm -hmm. Uh, and you leave them queenless for a couple of days. And then the one that's come in the post, your new queen that's come in the post, you could introduce that carefully in a little cage yeah. into the non-stinging bees. Yeah. And that sort of the problem. So there is a solution if you have got an
0: aggressive colony. And if anyone's listening to this and they have got one, hopefully that method will work for you. Right, Alan, I just want to touch on hives. There's various ones out there.
1: Which would you recommend? The main one that's used in this country is called uh, the British Standard National Hive, and it's made of uh, the Western Red Cedar, or it can be made of other woods. But the Western Red Cedar is uh, very long-lived, uh, and also it's quite light. It's it feels a little bit like balsa when you pick it up, but it, it's a very strong wood. Uh, there are Beekeeping's been going a long time, so the, there's Langstroth hives, which are main is the main hive used throughout the world. In terms of America, Australia, uh, Europe uses the Langstroth system. Uh, there's WBCs, William Broughton Carr, a guy from uh, it was Yorkshire who moved over to Cheshire, and uh, he invented the uh, what you would call a typical beehive with the sort of uh, layers. Hard to describe. Uh, I'll show you a picture of it, but it's hard to describe <laughs> in words. But it's if you think of a typical beehive, that's a WBC hive, they're quite expensive. And I probably only use them if I was based in Buxton, you know, because they, they yeah, do a keep frame that's right, it's like a frame okay. overlapping the beehive, that's right, and it keeps the bees a bit warmer. So there's a lot of talk now about. Uh, new hives on the market and these are polystyrene uh some people don't like that on religion i've had a polystyrene i'm quite taken with them in fact if you're a commercial beekeeper in scotland they've virtually taken over uh, from the nationals in scotland because they do keep the bees warmer in the winter
0: and do they all the same amount of frames
1: they hold exactly the same amount as a national, of fr- as a national. Yeah. They're, they fit national frames and uh, they're very light mm-hmm. uh, they're well made it's not like the polystyrene that you get on the packaging for a new tv mm-hmm. it's uh, high density polystyrene it's much much harder than that a lot of them come already painted and so the maintenance is low mm-hmm. i bought these for the first time last year I think they were 125 quid for the the hive, and uh, we've got them on the top of uh, Fred Perry House in Stockport, which is a very exposed location on the roof Mm -hmm. there. And the bees have done well in them, and we got a lot of honey uh, from that uh, location. So I'm going to get some more polystyrene hives. I've got four at the minute. So we've had them for a full season, including winter uh this is the winter that they're going through now that's right so do you think the bees are fair to them this winter they're doing fine they're doing fine at the moment uh Uh, you could close the entrance down to very small uh the polystyrene sides are uh oh about an inch and a half thick what three centimeters thick and the bees seem to like them
0: so compared to something like a national for a new beekeeper against the polystyrene are they are they more easy to access to access frames
1: they're exactly the same yeah they're a little bit lighter yeah the only thing that worries me slightly about them is how robust they are the wooden ones will last 30 years Uh Uh, the polystyrene ones they're saying five years well, the price is cheaper, so... It'll
0: be interesting to see how much of your colony survives through a winter compared to, let's say, a wooden national. So lastly, Alan, it's been on the market a number of years now, the Flow Hive. What do you make of them? Well,
1: uh, three years ago, one of the students on the course, uh, a girl called Dawn, uh, she lives in Reddish, she uh, bought a Flow Hive. And these are $400. 450 pounds they they are expensive the idea is that uh, it's a normal brood chamber but you need uh, but with a special top a special uh, super and the supers inside are plastic the frames are already drawn out so the bees don't have to make the uh, wax for the frames they just fill up the frames with honey at the end of the season You put a key in and uh, twist it and the honey pours out and it it
0: does. So in comparison to taking the frames away, putting the frames in an extractor and against the Flow Hive,
1: well the the Flow Hive is much much easier there's no question about that. is it is it better in terms of ease of use and so on yes it is because you don't have to have an extractor do the bees like them they seem to like them i got a reasonable amount of honey out of there and uh, would i continue would i swap all the gear and go over to flow hives no I can buy a polystyrene hive at 125 quid or a wooden hive at 150 or a flow hive at 450 Mm -hmm. then I'm quite happy now to carry on with the wooden hives or the polystyrene hives rather than the flow hive I got one just as an experiment again really just because people were talking about them yeah it was the uh, biggest Kickstarter in the history of the internet uh, when this guy put the floor hives on the market
0: do you think that's because there's less interaction with the bees so just, let's quickly explain the bottom of the box is a brood box which it is... is a
1: brood box where all the bees do the breeding and all the baby bees are born there's a little bit of honey in there but obviously you can't extract that because you'd be extracting baby bees with it as, uh, as well and you, you get a mess and then we have and then there's a queen excluder which stops the Queen moving up into the area where the honey is stored and it's this part of the uh, beehive that the flow hive uh, comes into its own because the bees don't have to uh, work the uh, work the wax in order to store the honey that's where they store it in, uh, in uh, brood cut, uh, in uh, wax uh, the 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 hexagonal shapes are already made by uh, in the Flow Hive. There's loads of uh, obviously, YouTube yeah. uh, things that you just go on to YouTube, put Flow Hive in, uh, and you'll see how it works. It do, it does work. Uh, it's very expensive, and that's the thing that does pop me off. It was if it was the same price as a normal hive, then I'd probably go over to them take on them is that i feel there's less
0: interaction at the top of the box and someone new to beekeeping will be more comfortable with that system
1: i must say that uh, dawn uh, has uh, bought another one though from her original one hive she's gone up to uh, two hives and she's bought another floor hive Mm. uh, because she likes them they do have Inspection windows in the side of the brood chamber where you can take off a little uh, wooden uh, cover and you can see the bees through glass or, or plastic mm-hmm. and you can see what's going on. You still, that gives you an indication, you still have to go in and look at the bees on a weekly basis in the brood chamber but you obviously don't need to go through the uh, plastic bit at the top, you can just take that off and uh, the bezels just be okay there.
0: And how does it work?
1: The hexagonal shapes go out of alignment and then the honey flows down. It takes uh, probably an hour for that, depending on temperature. If if it's warmer, obviously it's quicker because the honey's runnier, uh, it's less viscous. Uh, If it's cooler, it might take a couple of hours for all the honey to come out. If you're doing that in the old-fashioned way, using an extractor, you're probably looking at uh, two to three hours to get the uh, honey out of a a super. And what's the difference in volume compared to... There's no difference in volume of of the amount of honey that you get. There's no difference.
0: No. Interesting, interesting. You've got everything set up right now, Alan. The bees are thriving. Where's a new beekeeper's
1: next port of call? Well, the next port of call is how do you continue to learn your beekeeping after you've been on a basic course? You talk to other beekeepers, and the main source of information on beekeeping is the British Beekeepers Association, uh, the BBKA, Uh, which uh, Stockport Beekeepers is a uh, part of that we've got a website stockportbeekeepers.co.uk and that tells you all about the meetings that we have Uh, we have speakers on a monthly basis coming and talking to us at uh, Woodford Community Centre and that's usually on the the second Wednesday of the month. 7 30 till 9 30.
0: and to just interjects uh, this is
1: open to non-beekeepers this is absolutely open, open to people who it's just want to come and get information as well absolutely it's so all people you don't have to be a member you come along you pay a pound but within the pound you get a cup of tea and a biscuit <laughs> and you chat to other beekeepers and you meet other beekeepers in your area sometimes people say oh well i'm from pointon oh well, i live in pointed as well what street do you live on? And they tell them the street, they, they're at the other end of the street, but yeah. I mean, they don't know that there's another beekeeper there because why would you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people buddy up, and that's a really good thing is to buddy up with somebody else who is a beekeeper, because what do you do when you go on holiday? Who looks after your bees on the <laughs> weekly inspection? You need somebody else as a as a backup situation in case something happens you can't handle it. I uh, suppose in that scenario,
0: Two heads are better than one, and if you're fortunate enough to buddy up with someone with a bit more beekeeping experience, it's a bonus.
1: Yeah, I've had uh, colonies where people on the phone come to me and say, Alan, the colony's full of black. Uh, what's wrong? There's some, uh, Have I got some disease? And I say, okay, I'll come round and have a look. That was a few years ago. What people are doing now is taking an image of the colony with uh, their phone and emailing the picture to me. And I can say to them, no, it's just pollen. Mm -hmm. It's actually poppy pollen, that's black. And they've been feeding off poppies somewhere in your area. All pollen is uh, different colors. Bluebells, uh, yeah, do have blue pollen, but uh, horse chestnut, is a yellow colour. Uh, balsam is a, is a pale yellow colour. There's not, uh, the, it doesn't mean it's a blue uh, pollen because it's a blue plant, uh, a red pollen, and so poppy pollen is actually black. And this person thought they got some disease, and I said no, everything's okay. It's just poppy pollen. Wasn't the a time back in April
0: where? another beekeeper got in contact with you and asked you to go and see his site where his hive was because his colony had died
1: yeah uh obviously colonies die for various reasons the most common ones are starvation in the winter where there's not enough food to get over the winter can Can that can that be
0: from newbies taking too much of the harvest
1: absolutely if you've got to leave the bees a minimum of 30 pounds weight of honey in the hive to get through the winter that's what that's why they collect uh, nectar to turn into honey which when there's no flowering plants available uh, no flowering trees available they can then consume that honey and keep warm during the winter the bees don't hibernate hibernate bees go to sleep but they they go very docile they, you know they don't do much it's like a group of penguins where you have see the outer penguin keeping the others warm inside and then they, they, go, they get cold and they go into the middle and the one comes to the outside. So they keep rotating round and uh, they keep the queen warm and well fed. So when there is a lot more food during the spring and pollen uh, to uh, make more baby bees, then uh, they've got a good start. But... Uh, occasionally you go to somebody and say the bees have died why have they died well you can lift the hive up and feel the weight And if it's very very light it means there's no there's no uh, food stores in there it could be disease Uh, it could be that they haven't treated for the bites it's there's lots of things it could be there's various viruses that the bees can catch uh, from the bites doesn't
0: the bbka do some sort of insurance policy to cover disease
1: uh, there's, a, there's an insurance uh, program as part of your membership of the bbka uh, which if you uh, if your bees catch a notifiable disease uh-huh. this is uh, there's two diseases which are notifiable there's european foul brood and american foul brood and these uh, are. Diseases a little bit like foot and mouth in the farming yeah. world. You have to notify DEFRA, uh, and uh, the inspector comes along and confirms by looking at your colonies and doing a, te- uh, a chemical test that uh, you've got one of these diseases. And at that point, uh, you have to destroy the hives, mm-hmm. you destroy the woodwork. And so, you covered them, are you, you covered for the woodwork, you're not actually covered for the bees but again and it's a spence what's yeah if you just spent a couple of hundred pounds on a new hive and suddenly your bees get this disease it's it's pretty uncommon Uh, in 25 uh, 20 years i've never uh, had it and i only know two people in stockport that have had it Uh, the nearest place where we've had the disease to stop port is at Dunham, uh, Dunham Massey. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, an outbreak of uh, American fowl brood there a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, uh, the people had to destroy the hives. I think they destroyed uh, six hives. Yeah. So
0: as a new beekeeper and say you haven't made those initial steps, of meeting anyone in a club and you try to wing it, let's say, I suppose the message I'm trying to get across is, what should they do to reach out to someone? Because if it goes wrong, they're not going to get laughed at and there's an abundance of experience there to help them along the way. They will lend you equipment,
1: uh, they will give you advice, if you ask uh, four beekeepers what's the answer to the question, you probably get five answers uh, because everybody has their own little way of doing it mm-hmm. and there's also, it's not like mathematics where you first start to learn addition and then you go on to subtraction and division and so on, there's no route through it. Mm-hmm. It depends on your local circumstances, your weather, what food is in the area. And so there's all these things to be taken into consideration when giving somebody an answer about what's the best thing to do.
0: Local people listening to this, Alan, might fancy a bit of beekeeping and be up for the old apiary day. How did they register to Stockport Beekeepers?
1: They go online and you can, it takes you through to the, they can either come and see the programme and yeah. come to meetings, uh, which are the monthly meetings and you do put up
0: there every month for um, well, yeah there's a on. programme
1: of events yes. but in the summer months we, uh, this is what you came to uh, we have apiary meetings whereby which are amazing which you come along and mm. somebody will open up a hive we'll provide you with all the protective clothing we've got various size of bee suits yeah. all you need to bring along is a pair of rubber gloves to yeah. cover up your hands and uh, some strong footwear. Wellington's is great Mm -hmm. because you can tuck uh, the bee suit down the inside of your wellies and you'll be protected there. One of the worst places to get stung is (laughs) on the ankle. And uh, I've done it, you know, I've got a, oh, I don't need to put my wellies on to go up the bee. I'll just do this little thing. The bees can find it somehow. Oh, tell me about it. I made the fatal error of wearing a baseball
0: cap and she got trapped under the peak and eventually... She ended up stinging me on my nose, and
1: let me tell you, it was goddamn painful. <laughs> you will make that mistake and you will get stung. Uh, we have one of the beginners from last year, a lady who lives in Hazel Grove, uh, Jill. She bought the hive, she went on the course, she did everything that you should do. She's, uh, she understood what she was doing. I sold her uh, some bees. She was coming along oh, very nicely, three or four weeks and then she got stung for the first time. Mm-hmm. Massive reaction. Her arms swelled up. Uh, she got swelling all over her face. Went, yeah. to the, went to the doctors with it and he said, you are allergic. absolutely allergic to her. He and gave her the EpiPen. What is an EpiPen? It's a, it's a shot of uh, adrenaline mm-hmm. uh, that you have to stab into your leg. And they give you two happy pens because uh, if the first one doesn't work you can uh, yeah. stab yourself again and give yourself a bigger dose but the uh you need to carry them around with you in the season and uh, they will uh, stop your airways getting uh, blocked up mm-hmm. it's a little bit like the nut allergy uh, you know that it's very very serious if you are saying that again in 20 odd years she's only the second person that i've come across that has to carry an EpiPen, mm-hmm. and if you remember paul, <laughs> yeah, paul. at the club he, he's still continues to use with his beekeeping but he he's been in hospital with bee stings uh, uh, but he he carries two epi with him all the time so
0: with all that information there on the website the website stopupbeekeepers.co.uk that's right can you register just come on there and if you're local just go
1: along to the... Um, but if you're listening to this in another part of the country, then just type in either, you know, Lancashire Beekeepers, yeah. Sussex Beekeepers. Oh, yeah, because this they, advice is
0: not, it's, it's not structured just for people in the northwest. No. If, if you are getting bees...
1: Go along to your local situ- yeah. uh, local uh, organisation and they'll, they will uh, look after you. You can... I, I'm not saying don't look on YouTube mm. and, and things like that, A lot of the stuff on beekeeping on YouTube is American. So you've just got to take that into account that we obviously don't have the same weather as uh, (laughs) Florida or we're not in Nova Scotia either, you know. So there's a whole range of uh, things that you've got to take into account if you're looking at YouTube and just following somebody blindly off that. Go find your local people because they will know uh, the bees in the area They will know the situation, Mm -hmm. which is a good area, which is a bad area, sort of thing. go from there. Alan, it's been great having
0: you here today. I've absolutely loved it. But considering the state of the bee population and the bee crisis, is there a message what you want to put out there to bring people across to the dark side and get them into beekeeping?
1: Yeah. Yeah. what will you get out of beekeeping if you take it up as a hobby? Well, you suddenly start learning more about plants, trees, flowers and so on because you want wanted to put your bees in a situation where they've got those uh, available. You're going to get more knowledge about the weather because you don't want to be inspecting your bees when it's raining so you're constantly looking at the, uh, the temperature Bees don't uh, fly much below 10 degrees C uh, but it's not good if you start opening the hives up below say 16 degrees C so you're you're looking at the weather and you meet some beekeepers and I've made some really really good friends in beekeeping it's a real social activity it's not something that you're doing on your own and uh, believe it or not we even have honey competitions (laughs) whereby We go and see whether my honey's better than your honey and so on. I rarely win those. Uh, But uh, there are a lot of uh, good friends made in beekeeping.
0: And ultimately, which is the end game, it's helping the bee population.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, about 40% of everything that you put in your mouth in terms of food, a bee has been involved in its production. Every banana every strawberry every black currant white currant black or red mm-hmm. currant in the world mm-hmm. as every almond has been fertilized by a bee mm. and uh, the only things that don't get fertilized by uh, bees don't get pollinated by bees are barley oats wheat and rye yeah. uh, rice they're wind pollinated it would be a pretty restricted diet if we only had barley, oats, wheat, rice, Excellent, yeah. and so um, on. It's so, just, uh, it's when just I tell kids in schools, I say no strawberries, no raspberries, no bananas. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in the fruit side you would have. And think about it you wouldn't have onions or cabbages or carrots either because the seed of those plants has to be fertilized in order to grow the, the seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's not only just the soft roots and things uh, apples and pears and so on it's all the other stuff as well yeah. <laughs> lastly Alan and I promise it is lastly
0: I have kept you here a quite a long time you're so unselfish in the manner you go about your business when it comes to beekeeping would it be possible to put out your email address and if anyone's got any questions or got a new colony set up and want a bit of guidance and advice they can contact you no problem
1: It's alantowse at talktalk.net. A-L-A-N-T-O-W-S-E at talktalk.net.
0: Thank you very much for coming on. It's greatly appreciated. I know how busy you are. And I know that we've had a few gremlins in the system and we've had to use only one mic at one point. But we got there in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, the very excellent beekeeper, Alan
1: Towes. Been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Follow me on Twitter at BaronBeesores.